0: I always, when I hear that song, I always go back to the scripture that says, how are they going to hear without a preacher? People are dying lost every day. Not knowing the same God that we know. Not having the opportunity. God allowed us to go to, I shared with the Sunday school class, God allowed us to go to the Netherlands. We were just there on vacation. Uh, we weren't even wanting to go to the Netherlands. We had no idea we would be going, but God knew all along what he was doing. We went to visit my uh, family that lives over there, my sister and brother-in-law. They're missionaries in Oxford, England, and they've been there for about 14 years now. And we had the opportunity. She asked us every year, please come for Christmas. We want you to be with us. We want to be together. We've not been together for Christmas since they left. Um, I remember the day watching them get on the airplane to leave. And my sister was eight months pregnant and uh, she was ready to pop. And they left for the last time um, to go and to be missionaries, to, to serve um, on the mission field that God had called them to. And when we were, th- when we had the opportunity to go, we wanted to go to Paris and we wanted to see the Eiffel Tower and all these things. We were so close, why not? So we went and, and we traveled up the coast to the Netherlands, and we were able to be a part of of a couple of services there. And while we were there, God just broke my heart for the people, the Dutch people, seeing the need there and seeing the hunger of the people that have already come and want to know the truth. Right now they're holding gospel meetings once a month, and my brother-in-law will go over. They, They make the ferry journey and drive up through Belgium into the Netherlands, and they have meetings once a month, and you would be amazed at what God is already doing there. There's an open door in the schools for them to go. And, and when we were there, God just really dealt with our heart and burdened us about these people. The, the thing that sticks out to me, and, and one thing that we say in our video is, in, in a lot of churches there, in most churches there, the gospel's not available to all people. The gospel's not preached that whosoever will may come. It's whoever is the elect may come. Well, how do I know if I'm one of the elect? So the result of what we see is that people are just falling out of church. They're saying, what's the use in me going to church? What's the use in me doing all these things if I don't even know if I can be saved or not? And the thing that broke my heart is I can, I can even hear, I can go 10 miles this way, 10 miles that way in any direction. And I could probably find at least one church that I can go to that will preach the truth, that will tell me that God loves me and that he died for the world. But they don't have that. They don't have that option. There's a church on every street corner in Georgia. We're so fortunate. And people say, you know, I'm not, I don't have a heart for missions. But missions is what allowed you to come to know Christ. Whether it was just somebody that came to your house and told you about the Lord or a pastor that stood and and faithfully preached the gospel, You had an opportunity to hear from someone that was faithful to spread the gospel. And that's what we want to be. That's our desire. That's what God has placed in our hearts. I just can't shake the feeling that these people are dying and going to hell and they never have the hope that I'm able to know. They never get to hear it like I do. I grew up in a pastor's home. From the time I was born, my dad started pastoring his first church the year I was born. From the time that I was born until probably 30, I was in my dad's church for the most part, hearing the gospel preached. We were around it all the time, but they don't have that opportunity. We want to be faithful and we want to go. We want to be used by God. We want to get there and we want to tell the people that you do have hope. No matter what these people have told you, no matter what they say the Bible says, this is what it actually says. This is what God himself put in the word of God so that you can know Jesus, so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you have the promise of eternal life. All you have to do is accept this free gift. We want to be that preacher. We want to go and tell them. But how can they hear, how can we preach to them unless we be sent? We have to go and we have to tell. And it's our job just like it's your job. Right, I I hear all the time people say, well, people in America need the Lord too, and I am in that. There are people next door here that probably need the Lord. But God has placed churches here to reach these people. God sends missionaries to reach another group of people. I want to see America saved. I want to see a great revival here just like you do. I'm an American. I want to see God do a great work here. I really do. But God has called us specifically to the Dutch people. And so we hope that you'll pray with us as we go. We have a table set up out in the the lobby area there. We hope that you'll come by and get a prayer card. I tell people everywhere we go, please put it on your refrigerator because you know you're going to be going there multiple times a day. Put it on the refrigerator. And when you come in there and you see our picture, just say a prayer for us. As we travel, as we're on deputation, we've already traveled thousands of miles and just the short amount of time that we've been on te- deputation and God has been good. He's already been faithful in our lives. He's already providing support. He's already shown his faithfulness as we go and as we minister in this part of our ministry. But we hope that you'll pray for us as we're on the road, as we get used to still traveling with a baby, um, all of the things that it takes to go and to raise the support that God has called us uh, to get to the, the place that God has called us to go to. Um, we appreciate this church. I, I say... All the time when we come to Mid-Atlantic and we go home, our hearts are just so full when we come here. But I, I always mention, whether, whether you hear this or not, you're hearing it tonight. And I, I think this is a testimony to this church. They're, they're not, I, I don't know that there's a church with a, a heart of servanthood like this church. It's different here. Every time we come to Mid-Atlantic, and our young people notice it too. They see the people that are serving the food, and they see the people that are greeting us at the door, and they see the people that straighten up afterwards, and they see Brother Jeremy and and all the ones that put in so much hard work to see that happen, and it blesses them. The preaching's awesome. I would never take away from that, but the the servanthood of this church, is just it just blows me away, and I just want to say thank you. From a church that that comes that's just an outsider and you know we we love being a part of this, but but from an outside perspective, thank you, Calvary, for smiling, for, for being joyous about serving the Lord and helping young people and and seeing people come to know Christ and seeing lives changed in this very auditorium. Thank you so much, and thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. We have enjoyed uh, being with you today and and Friday night and just having the opportunity, the only time that I did not enjoy was last night. Um, I, I think that's probably the last time that I'm watching a Georgia game with Brother Jeremy. Um, that's that's it. Okay, he he ruined my undefeated shirt. I'm, I'm blaming it on him. I have a shirt that has been undefeated for three years. Okay, and and last night it was it was all blown up. So I'm sorry. I don't mean, to bring up painful memories, but. No, we're, we're uh, so excited to be here with you and to fellowship with friends. Uh, the Haskets have become very special in our lives as well. Um, our pastor has known your pastor for a long time, and um, he's quickly become actually one of my favorite preachers. I, your, your pastor came and preached our revival this past year at our church, or this year at our church, and man... Just, I had never heard him preach before. I've heard him get up and introduce speakers. I've heard a lot of things. Um, I've watched pieces of services, but I've never heard a whole message until he came down and preached. And man, that message about the frogs just stuck in my mind. It's still there. Um, So that that was that was awesome, and I appreciate him and the ministry that he has here. I'd like for you to turn with me tonight in the Word of God to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. I know that this is the Christmas season, and oftentimes in the month of December, you'll hear messages on on uh, Christmas-themed topics, and this is not necessarily one of those, but if you listen closely, it goes along very well with the message that we heard this morning. What a powerful reminder that he's coming. And can I add just a little bit to that? Not only is he coming, but the Bible says that he's coming quickly, right? We don't have any time to waste. I don't have time to mess around. I need to be telling people about Jesus now because he could come at any moment. I want us to look at three people tonight in Scripture. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And we're going to read about three people that Jesus had an interaction with here. And then we're going to look at each of these lives and what God has for us tonight. In verse 57, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. God, thank you for what we've already heard this morning. God, thank you for the reminder that you're coming. You're coming quickly, Lord, and we must be busy about the mission that you've given to us, Lord. And that is to reach people with the gospel. May we be faithful tonight, Lord, to open our ears, to open our eyes, to open our hearts, and to receive what you have for us this morning, God. Please remove the distractions. Please remove all the things that could uh, choke out the, the word of God in our lives tonight, Lord, and help us to be that good ground that it falls on, God. Help this day to make a difference in our lives. And help us to have a desire more than any other time, Lord, to reach people with the gospel. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to be very careful sometimes when I start watching videos. The, one of the worst things that ever happened on Facebook is when they started adding these reels. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You can go down such a rabbit hole and you can get into these reels so far that uh, you look down at your phone and you're like, wait a minute, I just wasted 45 minutes watching these videos. Some of my favorite videos are when people try extreme things. I'm gonna be real honest, I love it when they fail. When they try something huge, they're trying to jump from one building to the other and that first foot slips and they hit the back of their thigh on that building or whatever they're trying to jump to, it is hilarious to me. Okay, I just, I just can't keep from laughing. It's so funny. And I'm like, I would never try that, but it's funny that you did, right? One of the best things is when middle-aged men think that they're still in their 20s or teens. And they try to do something crazy, right? They get on a what are those a hoverboard, and they try to, you know, hover across the living room. And before they know it, whoop! It's gone right out from under them, and they're on their tail, right? That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I love it. All right, I love when people fail. Unfortunately, it's it's just a funny thing to me. Um, and and. You know, one of the best things is when people uh, uh, nail something for the first time and you see their reaction, right? When somebody does attempt something great and and they land that jump from one building to the other and the elation that's on their face, they're like, I did it. I might have tried a a million times and failed, you know, 999, but I made it. You know, I did it. I did what I was setting out to do. As we look at these men or these people in this uh, story that God's given us here, we see people that had an opportunity to do something great for God. They had an opportunity to follow God. They had an opportunity to commit to Jesus at the point where he was speaking to them in person, and they fell short. They stopped early. They missed their mark. We can learn something from these people. I I titled this message, and and I call these people would-be disciples. And what a sad title to be fit into that group. To say I almost did this, God almost used me to do this, I almost completed the task, but I fell short. When people are jumping from one thing to another, they're they're attempting the trick of their lives. And sometimes they fall short. They almost made it. They had every opportunity. Everything was right. Everything was just exactly the way it needed to be, and yet they fell short. And that's the, the situation we find these men in. Jesus was right in front of them, speaking to them individually. And they still missed it. They still fell short. We're going to look at each of these three men tonight, and I want us to look at ourselves, and I'm including me in this. When I, when I have the opportunity to preach a message, I, I like what one guy in our church says. He said, I, I've got a mirror on this pulpit, and I'm preaching to myself, but I'm just going to let you all listen. Right? We all fall short of the goal sometimes. We all think that we're attempting something great from God, but we're really holding back. And for that reason, we fall short. The first man I want you to look at tonight is 57 and 58. And I'm going to title him tonight, the unyielded man. The unyielded man. Look at how this came to pass. The Bible says in verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Think about this. Jesus didn't even address this guy, right? It says that he's just walking through the way. He's passing by and this guy volunteers. Hey, Jesus, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. What is Jesus' response? And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Why would Jesus respond that way? Why, when this guy volunteered, he said, Please, Jesus, I'll serve you, I'll follow you, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Why would Jesus respond in that way? When I think about this, this, uh, these two verses in particular, I always go back to the verse where it says, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but where does God look? On the heart. God looks on the inside. Before that man ever stood up and said, Hey, God, I'll go. Hey, Jesus, can you use me? Hey, Jesus, I want to be, be used of you. Jesus had already examined him. Jesus already looked inside and said, Hey, you're not ready for this, and I'm going to tell you why. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the, the Son of Man had, had nowhere to lay his, has not where to lay his head. This guy was concerned about comfort. This guy was concerned about giving up the thing that he loved the most, and obviously that was having a place to lay his head. He couldn't yield himself completely to God because he was holding back that important thing. And Jesus said, look, I think it's great that you want to serve me. I think it's awesome that you're volunteering before I ever speak to you. But you got to understand some things. And we never hear that this servant followed Jesus. Did you see anything in there about that guy saying, okay, Jesus, I understand that, let's go. No, because he wasn't yielded. He wasn't willing to give up his comfort. He wasn't willing to give up all the things that he had to follow Jesus. He wanted the easy road. And Jesus said, if you're going to come and follow me, it's going to take some sacrifice. You're going to have to give up some of that comfort if you want to come and follow me. We have extremely deep roots in the place that we live. Extremely deep roots. I have a career. We live, what, 15 miles from your parents, maybe less, 10 miles? She's never lived more than that from her parents, ever. My mom lives with us, she lives in our basement. And it's not a dingy, nasty basement, okay? I didn't stick her down there and just say, here you go, Mom, this is all we got. (laughs) I promise I didn't do that. We have extremely deep roots where we are. If we were unyielded to go, how hard would it be to give up that security? How hard would it be to just quit my job and go and sacrifice to tell other people that I've never met before that Jesus loves them? We have to be yielded to God. We have to give him everything that we have and we have to be willing to give up everything in order to serve him. It sounded like this man had a weakness and Christ knew that weakness and he gave him fair warning. If you're going to serve me, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up some of these things. The unyielded man. Number two, we see the unready man. The unready man. Verse 59, the Bible says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Did you notice the difference in the interaction between the first guy and the second guy? Did anybody catch that? What's the difference? Listen, I work with teenagers. I, I want you to talk to me, okay? It's not bad to speak in church unless you're talking about something else. What is the difference between the interaction with the first man and the interaction with the second man? The initiation of it, I guess I should say. He spoke to him, right? Jesus spoke to him. He asked him to follow him. He said, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. One guy that I read after said, he, they're not even sure if this guy's dad was actually dead yet. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. That's speculation, okay? I, I don't know if that's the case or not. Even if it's not, this guy said, let me go first and bury my father. What does that tell us about this man? He had wrong priorities, right? He didn't have Jesus in the place that he should have been in his life and because of that, he was not ready. He said, let me go first and bury my father. He wanted to go back to that life. He wanted to go back to his family. He wanted to go back and he said, God, I'm not ready yet to serve you. There are things that I have to accomplish in my life before I give it all to you. Sometimes I think, hey, maybe people feel like they're not financially stable enough to go and to serve God. I can't give it all up because I don't have enough in the bank. I can't give it all up because I got too much in the bank. Maybe I'm too financially stable to give it all up. Maybe I feel like my kids aren't old enough. Or maybe I feel like I'm too old. Maybe we use the excuses of all of these things to say, God, I'm not ready. God, I can't do what you've given me to do because I'm not ready. And God's saying here, let the dead bury their dead. If you're going to serve me, you got to go and do it. You can't wait until everything's convenient. Can I tell you something? There's never going to be a convenient time for you to go and serve God. There's never going to be a convenient time for you to give it all up. And that's what God is showing us here. It doesn't matter if it's a convenient time or not. God's called me to do something and I'm going to go do it. I can't let anything hold me back. I think about Lot's wife when she was, when they were called and they were leaving the city and God said, don't even look back. She couldn't help it. She was so drawn by the possessions and her love of the city that she turned around and immediately God's judgment was cast on her. And we are the same way. God's called us to do something and I say, God, not right now. God, I'm too young. God, I'm too old. God, this is not the right time. I just got a promotion at work. God's saying, I'm not asking you if everything's just right. I'm asking you to go. I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to tell. What's our excuse tonight? What is making us unready and unyielded to go and do the thing that God has called us to do? Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. We have a mission. We have to be ready to go. Number three, I want you to see verses 61 and 62, the unavailable man. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at, my ho- at home at my house. And Jesus saith unto him, said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We see another man that said, let me go first and do this. Another man with wrong priorities. And Jesus gives a strong analogy here. He said, nobody, no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Has anybody in here ever plowed before? I'm just curious. Okay. Okay. So people that have plowed before, where should your eyes be if you're plowing? Why? Yes. If your eyes are not in the right place, you're going to, to plow a crooked row. When my dad was pastoring and we were younger, he thought it was a great idea for us to have a grass cutting business on the side. Now, we were so hillbilly that we had this old, I mean, like 89 Dodge Caravan, maybe, maybe like 91. I was a little older than that. Maybe 91 Dodge Caravan, okay? If you remember those vans, you could remove the back seats. There were two bench seats in the back. We took those things out so we could fit the riding mower in the back. Now that was me. And there was my dad, and there was my brother. Guess who had to ride in the back? I was the youngest. My brother got to sit in the front, my dad's driving. I sat on the lawnmower. That thing's in the back of a Dodge Caravan. I'm sitting on the lawnmower, holding on to the steering wheel, just hoping that we don't crash. No seatbelts, glass all around me, but I was safe, okay? Okay. I felt safe. But one thing that I remember about that situation, besides all of the the sweating and and the the heat that we went through and and my dad always telling me to do the things that he didn't want to do, right? He didn't want to do the weed eating. He didn't want to do this, so I had to do it. The one thing that I remember is my dad would always take the riding lawnmower and he would uh, put me in this big field if we had a large area to cut. And he would cut a huge circle all the way around that place and I would watch him, and I'm standing there. And then he would put me on that lawnmower. I probably was not old enough or smart enough to be on a lawnmower at that point, but he put me on the lawnmower, and he said, follow that line. Keep this wheel on that line, and everything will be straight. It'll be just like it's supposed to be. But you know what would happen? Inevitably... As a young boy, I would get distracted by whatever it is, a bird flying by, whatever the case may be, and my eyes would get turned. And before I know it, I'm headed for the ditch. Before I know it, I'm headed for a pile of rocks or something like that. Or I'm just weaving in and out, and that line is moving all over the place. And he would come back and say, what are you doing, boy? I told you to follow the line. This man had his eyes in the wrong place. And Jesus knew it. He said, look, if you're going to serve me, if you're going to put your hands on on that plow and you're going to come and you're going to follow me and do what I've asked you to do, you can't be looking back. You can't have your eyes in the background if you're going to serve me the way that you're supposed to. If you're going to be used the way that I want to use you, you can't be looking back at other things. You can't be distracted off to the side or else you're not going to plow the row that you're supposed to plow. This man wasn't available to do what God had asked him to do. He had way too much to lose. Sometimes when we uh, can't commit to Christ, it's because we have too much to lose. Sometimes we become tied down by things in in our past or in our present, whether it be possessions or family or whatever the case may be, and we can't serve God because we're so tied down. It becomes more and more difficult for Christ to arrest our hearts and to send us to the place that he would have us to go. Jesus tells us that we're supposed to hate our families, right? Stay with me. I'm just trying to get your attention. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says, If any man will come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Does that mean that I'm supposed to literally hate my wife and my children? Absolutely not. I'm supposed to love them. They are my responsibility as a husband and as a father. But Jesus is saying you have to think of them in a way that they never come above me. If they ever take my place, you can't be my disciple. If your father or your mother or whoever it may be, if they ever take the place of me, you cannot be my disciples. And this man said, hey, I need to go home and tell my people bye. But Jesus is saying, if they're in the place of following me, if you're unready and unwilling and unavailable to follow me right now, you can't be my disciple. If you look back at those things, your eyes are on the wrong, in the wrong place. And if you look back, You will fail. You cannot be my disciple. There's no stuttering there. There's no hesitation. God didn't put little uh, dots there or, or anything like that or add something in in parentheses. No, he said if these things aren't present, you can't be my disciple. You can't do what I want you to do. You can't follow me closely. I want you to turn to Philippians quickly. Philippians chapter three. We're going to look at the testimony of a man that's uh, giving some some uh, wisdom here in the book of Philippians, and someone who I would classify as a true disciple. Philippians chapter three. We're going to start in verse seven. The Bible says, "But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss, counted loss for Christ." and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that, I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We see here as the Apostle Paul is writing these things under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, look, I've lost a lot of things. And if you look back and you study the life of the Apostle Paul, he lost a lot of things, including his help. The one time they stoned him so bad that they thought he was dead. Can you imagine? They beat him with rocks so bad that they left him and they said, there's no way this guy's going to get up from this. There's no way this guy's even still alive. And yet he stood up. And the Bible says he went right back to it. He was ready to go. Do you know why? It's because he counted everything else as loss. He counted everything else as dung. Can you imagine that wording in Scripture? That's no mistake. The least amount of of, uh, precious items we would say is dung. It's like the least precious item, right? Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to experience that. It's not a good thing. And Paul said, everything else that I've lost in this life, I count them but dung. I Can't look at those things anymore forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward. I'm pressing towards the mark I'm constantly looking at my goal. I I love watching Olympic sprinting, right? The hundred meters is just fascinating to me. Those folks are so fast I just can't even imagine running that fast. I mean they would outrun a deer. It's just amazing But you know what they have to do they got to keep their eye on the prize they got to keep their eye on the target so they know where they're going, so that they don't exit their lane or, or get disqualified or any of the other things that could happen. They keep their eye on that prize and they go for it with everything they've got. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He realized something that we have to realize tonight. We have to be yielded to God. We have to be available to God. We have to be ready to go when He calls. We have to raise our hand and say, here am I, Lord, send me. God, if you want to send me to Africa or Antarctica or whatever country or continent that you can think of, God, I'm willing to go and I'm ready to go right now. Forgetting those things which are behind. They're dung. They're nasty. I don't need them. But I need Jesus. I need God. I need the things that he has for me. So why do we start looking around? Why do I become so distracted? I look at my circumstances. I look at the things that I used to have. I look at my bank account and say, God, it's not good enough anymore. And then I start sinking just like Peter did. When I start looking at all those circumstances, I start looking back, I start looking to the sides. When God says, press towards the mark, the high calling it's not just any calling it's a calling from god the creator of the universe he's called us to do something more so what are we doing with our lives tonight what is he calling you to do today is he calling you into the ministry is he calling you to the mission field I told the Sunday school class this morning, one of the things that I that I strive to do anytime we are in a church is to encourage people in the area of missions. Because we have all benefited from it. Even if you didn't grow up in a foreign field, you still benefited. If you're saved, somebody told you. We have to be willing to go and to tell others. Are you running from God? Or are you looking back? This statement. convicts me these men had no legitimate excuses but enough of an excuse to render them useless are we going to be useful tonight are we going to be rendered useless I want to be used of God I want God to take my life and use me I don't want to get distracted by those things in the past Or those things in the present that could keep me from serving God. I want to be yielded. I want to be ready. I want to be willing. And I want to be completely surrendered to what he has for my life. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes for just a few minutes. God has been so faithful to us. Who are we to not give him everything we have? Who are we to say, God, I'll go to Virginia, but God, don't send me to Africa. God, I'll stay in Colonial Heights, but please don't send me to California. We have a job to do. And whether it be going across the street and telling your neighbor or going to somebody at the grocery store or going across the world, we have a responsibility to go and to tell others. We have a responsibility to be ready and and willing to go when he calls. What's it going to be tonight? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, God, for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you that you didn't leave us without hope, that you gave us this free gift of salvation. That somebody shared with us, somebody that was faithful and ready and willing, shared with us that we had hope that's only found in you. God, may we not be complacent in these last days. God, we know that you're coming. And we know that we have a responsibility. God, may we be faithful more than ever to do what you've called us to do. God, please have your will and way in this invitation. I pray that you would bless this church. God, I pray that they would do more than ever to reach the people outside of these walls that need to know you as their Savior. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.